0: the Coach's Edge podcast dedicated to teaching, sharing, and learning the game. I'm Steve Kramer of Kramer Basketball, and today we brought in Jaden Nichols. Jaden is a certified Kramer Basketball skills coach. He coaches junior high basketball, and he's full-time as a campus minister with H2O Church at Bowling Green State University. In this podcast, he breaks down how he develops players specifically in the areas of shooting, which he has great expertise and results with the players that he's worked with, as well as how he goes about building relationships, communication, and developing his junior high athletes to help them succeed at the high school level. Let's get to it. Coach Nichols, welcome to the Coach's Edge podcast Man, I'm really looking forward to what we're going to talk about today. And we go back in an interesting way. I know you'll you'll tell your story, but my wife was getting her Ph.D. at BGSU. I had started my business in Bowling Green, Ohio. We did a lot of training at the Bowling Green Community Center. And it might have been 2015 or 2016. I'm not sure. But I had a winter basketball camp. And prior to that, okay, so this was maybe a couple months before that, my wife had had a a class, and she didn't even mention your name, but she said, Steve, I had a student in my class, and he gave a really cool presentation about how he was a Christian, and so that stood out, so she she shared that with me just a little bit, I was like, oh, that's that's pretty unique. That's pretty cool for you know a public school for someone to do that. And then she also mentioned and he said he follows you on Twitter or something like that. And he a chance that if you ever need a coach or anything, to be sure to let him know. So fast forward a couple months and I have a winter basketball clinic for youth players in Bowling Green. And the day before the camp, I think I get 10 or 12 kids to sign up. And I'm scrambling because we had a, a decent amount of kids signed up. I had plenty of coaches that I wanted because I always try to get a really good coach to player ratio, like maybe one coach for every six, seven players. But now I definitely needed another coach. And I said, Lenz, who was is, who is that guy that said he – you would coach like, I'm scrambling, this last minute. And so you said, yes, you came, you did a great job working with the kids, coaching them up. And I said, this is a guy that I want around me. This is a guy that I want around the players that I work with. And so fast forward, you continued to work camps and clinics to the point that I said, I want you to become a Kramer basketball trainer. I put you through my certification. You've been running uh, basketball programs last spring, this last fall. You would have done this spring's basketball program in Northwest Ohio again if it wasn't for COVID-19. But it's just crazy how um, that came together. Is that how you remember it?
1: Yeah, pretty much. Um, kind of even before that, too, I had seen you a couple times. The first time I, I ever had an encounter with Steve Kramer, Um, was at a community center league Um, I was filling in for a team and your team was playing before that and I just remember there was a bunch of buzz around your name and I'm looking at the scorecard before your game's over and you already have 45 points I was like what (laughs) what is with this guy like where why have I never heard of him and then I'm talking I think it was Eric Marshall and he's telling me a little bit about you he's like yeah we can get him out an open run soon and so it was maybe a couple weeks after that um, that I had already talked to your wife and then I saw you at a, an open gym, too, and we played together. And I just remember um, people were struggling to guard you. I was like, I got to guard this guy. I got I to gotta try. But you still torched me. And so I was like, man, this is a guy I want to work with and learn from. Because I had just started my coaching career. And I was like, this guy knows some stuff that I definitely don't know. So I knew I realized pretty early that skills were something that were important. I was like, this guy knows what he's doing. So that's when I followed you on Twitter, too, because I had seen some of your posts about some of the camps and stuff you were doing, I was like, this guy knows what he's doing, so I want to be a part of that if I can. It was a coincidence that your wife was my teacher, too.
0: Yeah, I'm so glad it worked out the way way that it did. Now, Coach, you've been working with me for, you know, years now, uh, certified as a player development coach with me for this past year. What do you think makes our program different?
1: So when I talk about Kramer basketball with other people and why it's successful – Um, to put it in a wider range too, I I did a lot of studies on trying to find skills trainers online, um, that actually improve players. And there's a lot of garbage on YouTube and a lot of garbage trainers out there who are doing a lot of gimmicky basketball work And, and Kramer basketball, for lack of better terms, it's no BS. It's, it's authentic. It's not flashy. It's simply what works for players. And really there's three things that make Kramer basketball really successful. One, it increases basketball IQ. Steve does a great job of breaking down game situations in a way that makes it understandable for players, and then they get to interact with those situations and learn what it looks like to make decisions within those. Um, The second is high repetition. A lot of camps that I went to growing up, half of it was scrimmaging. And in a scrimmage, you might scrimmage for 30 minutes and take nine shots if you're lucky. But we're taking nine shots within a one-minute drill. And so when you go to a Kramer basketball camp, you're getting a lot of repetition. And then probably my favorite thing is the culture of excellence that's built in. And so one, this is a little story about me. So my natural inclination as a coach, when I'm working with a player is if we're repping out a drill as a group, if we've got a couple players that aren't getting it, we're going to keep repping it out until everybody's on the same page. And what Steve typically does is we might have 30, 50, or we might have 50 kids at a camp and maybe 30 of them are getting it. Steve's going to move on to the next thing. And the kids are eventually going to realize if they're not understanding it, like, shoot, I need to get with the pack. And so it builds this culture of excellence. And I love seeing players who take the jump from maybe struggling within the first hour to thriving in the last hour. And so those are a couple of things that really set Kramer basketball apart from from other camps and other trainers.
0: I appreciate that, Coach. I think those are definitely areas that we try to concentrate on. Um, And as you mentioned, like the culture of excellence, the, the standard of excellence, I want our players to understand that basketball, Is simply another way that we can look at life, right? It it can be a sports are such a great way for us to take something that's a game and something that's fun, but being able to use those teaching points and say, hey, this also applies to your life. And about being present in anything that you do. If I'm on this podcast, I want to be present. I'm not thinking about anything else but this podcast. If I'm on the basketball court, My focus is on there, trying to get the most out of the time that I have in whatever I do. And I think if athletes can develop that type of mindset, they're going to get more out of the time that they put in in anything that that they do. They're setting themselves up for a standard of excellence that's going to benefit them later on in life because they're learning to, to be present. And it's not that I have a high expectation for a player. I certainly do. But what's more important is what's the standard that you're holding yourself to? And that's one of the biggest things that I hope athletes can get out of our basketball camps, our basketball instruction, is can you hold yourself to a high standard? Can you be disciplined enough to hold yourself to a standard that is going to be able to separate yourself, not just in basketball, but in life? So later on, people are going to say, oh, Jaden Nichols? I'd work with him any day of the week because I know that he's present. He holds himself to a certain standard of dependability, self-accountability, and I hope that our players can understand that. And, you know, over time, we rub off on them. We have players that we've been working with for, for years and years. I know you've kind of been with us recently, Coach, but we've definitely seen that with, with a lot of our athletes, and it's going to benefit them later in life. With, with that in mind, As you started working, we decided to, I decided to put together a basketball training certification because I wanted, I saw what was happening with our basketball programs. I was moving down to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and I wanted to put you in charge of our weekly basketball program. So with this podcast, we're really gonna talk about the training aspect of basketball. Now, when I say training, I'm thinking of, everybody has kind of their own definition of what basketball training or training in general means. To me, training is someone that you're working with on a very consistent basis for a certain period of time, right? And so that's what you were doing. When I run a basketball camp and I see that uh, player for a week and I don't see him again until the next summer for a week, I'm not training that player. Right If anything, and you know, the goal of what I'm trying to do, I want to train them in that week to train themselves, right because I can't um but with what you're doing, it's consistent, and that's what we've we've had in place in Northwest Ohio since I started basketball down there. Um, can you talk a little bit about why you feel like that's worked within our program for you and for our players
1: Yeah, totally um I think. As I mentioned earlier, I realized really early on when I was coaching that skills were super important, and that if players really wanted to to take the next step, that that was something they had to invest in their game. If they weren't working on skills outside of it, they weren't gonna they weren't gonna get better. And so for us, um, one of the first things that I, I noticed was working was our shooting program. I think <laughs> it's top notch. Um, even pros like Steph Curry use something similar to what our shooting program is, and I always say that. Anybody who's invested time into our shooting program and done it exactly how we asked them to do and get the reps, it works every single time. I've not had a player go through it who's not invested time into it that hasn't seen some sort of results. And so that's that's been a huge success for us, has been the shooting program for sure. And for me, when it comes to that, if I get a player, um, probably the most successful players I've seen that do this, I see them at least once or twice a week. And then on top of that, they're getting shots outside of the gym. They're playing in AAU or they're playing in, in season or, or getting even in pickup games. So they have a, kind of a combination of, hey, we're working on skills here. I'm going to go work on them by myself. And then I'm also going to use them in game. And that's kind of like the formula that I, I try to cast the vision on the players that this is what training should look like is you're not just seeing me or just going to camps, but you're doing more on top of that. So that's probably the biggest thing when it comes to, to the way that I train and like you mentioned, I, I try to work myself out of a job. If I can teach a player everything I know within a couple of years, they should be able to go do their thing and they should have enough skills and enough idea of, of what to work on that they don't even need me anymore. And that's kind of the goal is to, to help motivate them into that.
0: You know, our shooting instruction has been, you know, for, for years, it's been our most popular um, camps, clinics. Um, we had to cancel a bunch of, a bunch of those this spring, but, I think we want to break down a little bit of why it works. And I also wanna want people to understand what type of player it works for. I do not think that everyone needs a basketball trainer. And one of the main reasons that I say that is what Jaden just broke down. If you're a player and you're not willing to spend all that time working on your game on your own, then you're just wasting the money going to a coach you have to be willing to put in the consistent time when you're not in the gym i've had a handful of players not too many most of the players that we get are already serious they're already have found joy in the game of basketball so it's, it's easier for us to motivate them it's easier for us to take them from point a to point b because they really want it but occasionally you get a player whose mom or dad signed him up because they want him to be good at basketball. You can tell they don't really like it, and when you see him on Wednesday, and then you see him on the next Wednesday, you know they haven't picked up a ball. Parents, don't sign your kid up. Don't waste the money with with a basketball trainer. Make sure they're the one that's motivated enough, disciplined enough, to put in the work. Which leads me into my next question for you: If someone were to get a a basketball trainer such as yourself, what are some of those responsibilities when you're not with that player? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, there's there's two big things that I, I was thinking about when it comes to if I have a player that I'm training. I obviously work with a lot of BG kids since I coach in the BG school system, and the two big expectations I have for them is, is one that they're going to get extra shots, and two they're not just going to hoard this information for themselves; they're going to share it with teammates. And so in a training session that's an hour or an hour and a half, we're easily going to get up 500 plus shots, if not more. And so you're going to hopefully make more than 100 shots in in a given training session. But on top of that, you probably still need to get another thousand or more within a week if you want to see any sort of change in your your dynamics at all. And then with sharing with teammates, honestly, the worst kind of player are the guys that, that are only worried about increasing their points per game for the next season. Um, really we're looking for players that want to make other guys better. Those are the kind of basketball players who really can make a difference and lead. And so I think about guys that I worked with in in high school even who drug me to workouts and who shared stuff with me. Those are the guys that made me better. And then I I remember making it my mission to make guys better around me once I was a sophomore and junior and we had freshmen coming in. And so I think that's what creates a good team culture. And I'm not just worried about improving skills with a player. I want to make them a better person overall, especially a better teammate when it comes to being able to lead and to share information. So those are the two things I love when when kids tell me about how they got one of their friends into their shooting workout or they were doing a ball handling workout with one of their neighbors. That stuff jazzes me up, but but it also takes getting extra shots up.
0: I love what you broke down there. Obviously, you got to be disciplined enough to put the reps in. You talked about sharing it. And one thing that I mentioned to the players that come to a lot of our basketball camps is... I ask them to share some of the things that they learned and did at our clinic. And I even tell them sometimes, it's not so much that I care that you're telling your mom or dad, but I know that when you speak something that you know or that you've learned, it's another way that we can remember the instruction that we've had. And so it's a great tool if you're a coach and you're working with players, to get a child or a player of any age and level to verbalize what they're actually doing. And that's an important piece of our instruction is it's not just the coach speaking to the kid and then that's it, right? It's true communication. You're asking them questions. You're listening. You're trying to get a feel for how they feel when they're taking a shot, for example. And it's this constant level of communication that goes back and forth. That's what helps get the player better results. And I think, as you mentioned, it helps coach yourself out of a job in the sense that you want the player to feel comfortable. You want them to feel confident to the point that they can speak it to other people, that they can verbalize what they're doing back to you, and that's going to help them more. The way I always say is, you know, you might grow yourself out of the type of instruction that we're giving you now, but if you take your game to another level, then we'll be able to break down things in more detail and take your game to to another level. It's as far as you kind of want to go. Um, You're big with shooting. We've already talked about that already. I think you do a fantastic job teaching players how to break down their shot And build it back up. Obviously, in today's game, that's one of the most, most important aspects of being a successful basketball player. How do you go about breaking down and building
1: up a player's shot? Mm -hmm. So, I call this process shooting diagnostics. Um, When I bring in a player, we can easily look at about 10 different things within their shot and then diagnose what's impacting or, or causing some of the misses that we're seeing. And so the process that we usually do, do this with is I use a little video analysis. So when I get a player in the first 10 minutes that they're there, I'm just going to videotape them, taking shots from about five feet out, 10 feet out, 15 feet out, and then 20 feet out. And so they'll get to see what, what does their form look like there. And I'm going to watch that video with them. and I'm going to break down everything that I see. We're going to look at follow-through, eyes, guide hand, hips, feet, knees, hand placement, elbows, shooting pocket balance, and what the wrist is doing. So those are just some of the things that we're looking at within that, that player's shot. And then we're gonna decide what needs to be done. And so typically, if, if I get a player that's coming in, I might see six things that need to be worked on, but I'm not about to tell this player six things that need to change. So I'm gonna start with one, and then the goal really is to focus on three things within, within a shooting session. And so players that I've worked with in the past, a lot that we see coming out of junior high Guide hands usually an issue. So we got a lot of players that flick their thumb. So that's typically one that we look at. Feet is always a huge one that we look at. And then eyes. A lot of players will either look at the floor, look at the ball before they shoot. And so those are usually the top three things that we look at. And if we can make sure those three things are on point, along with a follow-through, you can pretty much increase your shooting percentage. But then on top of that, some players really have issues with the uh, transfer of energy from their hips to their from their feet to their hips to their to their hands. So, so that sometimes we have to look at that. So, we yeah, decide what needs to be done and then we act on fixing that. So, then we, we break down how do we change a wrist flick on a shot or how do we change our feet? And we're going to get intentional reps doing that.
0: And I love that you mentioned you're starting with one. You may see a bunch of different things that are an issue with a player's shot. You start with one. You don't want to overwhelm a player. If you throw everything at them at once, how are they going to be able to retain it? Especially when it comes to shooting. Shooting is one of those things in basketball that you do do again and again and again. Now, there's many randomized actions of running up and down the court, cutting, screening, screening, dribble, pull up, whatever it might be. But if we can get the shot to be consistent, that's something that is uh, so repable in the sense of, of our workout, we can get a lot of game transfer out of it. Um, the other thing that I really liked is you don't go into the gym and just start telling somebody how to shoot. You video, you watch them, you sit down with them and you, and you look at it, you have a conversation. I think that is so, so important. There's too many times where I'll see a coach and say, this is what I know. Boom, there you go. And it doesn't apply to the player at all, right? You might be teaching them about how to have their offhand in the right spot, but really they need to be working on their stance instead. And the offhand's really good. You're taking the time to say, let's let's watch, let's learn, let's decide what we need to do. Now we can take some action. Now I'm assuming after you've gone through that process, what does it look like the next week?
1: Yeah, so after that, we create we create a program. We basically create a program around that player. Um parents usually ask how long this process takes. It always depends on the player, but regardless, you can guarantee at least a thousand or five thousand plus makes um, that we're gonna before we're gonna see any sort of concrete results. And so typically for a player, what we bring them through is is sort of like our shooting program. i I have them do the four phases, and I've got phases within those phases as well. And so our four phases of shooting is first is follow through. Second, we work on shooting pocket. Third, we work on energy transfer from, from hips through our shot. And then finally, phase four is game shots. And then within that, what I'll do with players is maybe the first time we'll go through, okay, we're going to take 50 shots from each phase. And then the second time they come in, okay, we're going to make 50 shots from each phase. And then players who really reach the top tier, I make them swish X amount of shots from each phase before that we, we can go to anything else. And so a lot of players, they do want to learn some things beyond just just our form shooting but if we can't get past our form shooting then we're not going to get to other skills and so that's really where it starts is with that form shooting and then beyond that we'll work on some more game shots specific to what that player does within their system so i've worked with players who shoot a lot off the dribble and so we're going to work on that if that's that's what your coach runs if your coach runs a lot of down screens we're going to work on that or if you're just a spot up shooter we're going to work on that too and so it really depends on the player and what what system they're in
0: that's great. You're finding the needs of the player and helping them in that area while still focusing on the foundation. Regardless of if you're a catch and shoot guy or a pull up dribble girl or whoever it might be, you got to have this foundation first and then we can expand it to fit what your game is going to look like. Now you're talking about our four phase of form shooting, which is part of our online membership, our Coach's Edge program basically breaking down different areas of how a player can build back up again in their shot. And as you mentioned, with all those categories that you talked about with issues that you see within a player's shot, you can all check them out and break them down within those four phases of shooting. So maybe there's 10 areas that you're really looking for at a player. Maybe two of those 10 are within our first phase, which is follow through shots whatever it might be. The other thing that I want our listeners to understand is when we're doing our form shooting with a player, it's not layups. It's not right next to the basket. Um, That's a big thing that I see among coaches and even among some shooting coaches. You're too close to the basket that it doesn't actually replicate shot form. It's just a layup. Okay. And there's a big difference between stepping back or a few more feet right? And being able to get that in. And depending on the age level and the strength level of our player, we might have them do form shooting from, you know, the 10 to 15 foot range, because that's just more realistic of the type of shot that they're going to actually shoot a jump shot from. Whereas if they're working on their form shooting from six feet, well, if they're they're a solid varsity player, that's going to be a floater. That's going to be a scoop. That's going to be a push shot. So you have to make sure that it fits, again, the needs of the, the player that we have. Coach, you mentioned the 5,000-plus makes. You know, it sounds very similar to, you know, like, the 10,000-hour or the 10,000-rep rule. Why do you think it's, it's about that many makes or more in order for a player to get the results and the improvement that
1: actually sticks? So that I got that number just from what I've seen in mind. So another thing that I do is stat tracking. And so any good shooter, when they get in the gym, they're going to come out of that knowing how many shots they've made or at least a general idea of what percentage they're shooting within their reps. Because if we're, if we're only shooting 20% in practice, maybe we need to be changing what we're doing. And so with players, we build up their confidence. And so with guys I've worked in the, in the past with, I've had three that at least at around the 5,000 makes range is where we really start seeing some concrete, development and where they're they're really starting to change some things and and instead of me having to speak into them they've become self-talkers and they can realize when they're doing things the wrong way and so that's that's kind of the sweet spot that I've noticed and, and it really does depend on the player and skill level and, and where they're coming in from but that's been the sweet spot so far
0: and probably a lot depends on how much work they've been doing on their own each and every week right
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, those 5,000 are only the ones that I, I see them making. So there, there's definitely more shots that are being made outside of that.
0: Yeah, so if they're making 5,000 plus with you, I mean, if they're making at least 5,000 without, if not more, depending on how often they're meeting with you per week, you know, that, that certainly adds up. If, if you were a coach and you wanted to, to say what's a good way to break down a player's shot and build it back up, would it be fair to say, you video you analyze you get a plan of action and then you act right you act you get the reps up you put the work in and then you continue to repeat those four things of okay let's let's video it again let's decide what tweaks we want to make right okay let's 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 put that in into action would that be fair to say
1: yeah 100% and some players are more eager about that than others, so some players, after like three sessions, will be like, "Hey, can we video this again? I want to see if'm I'm, if I'm doing better?" Those are the players I absolutely love, because typically I, I won't refilm for about four sessions, if not more, and then we can kind of say, "Hey, are, are we starting to see a little bit of improvement here?" Um, but the players that want to see that, I'll do it every session if they want. If they want progress like that, I've had players in the past like that. So yeah, reanalyzing regularly is something that's good for players. And that was something that I did as a kid. I used to film myself shooting, and I would go watch my form and be like, man, what am I doing wrong here? And so I'm not doing anything different than, than what I did as a player.
0: No, I like that. And I, I think that – I like originally that you said you wouldn't record it every week because realistically it takes time to change a player's shot. But I also like that as a player you're hungry to learn. You want to see your improvement. And so that totally makes sense from a player's perspective of, no, I want to see what my shot's looking like. I want to see how much improvement I've made, even if it's in a short amount of time. That's pretty cool. What players do you find that have found the most success either working with, you know, our shooting program as a whole or working with you individually? What sets them apart?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I kind of mentioned a couple of these things. The first thing, players that find success become self-talkers. And so I talk a whole lot, probably the first four or five sessions, um, just trying to create some internal dialogue of what I should be looking for, what I should be telling myself through this process. And players that can self-diagnose what's going on, especially if they have a specific issue within their shot. Typically, I, like I mentioned, I get a lot of players that flick their thumbs or flick their offhand. If I can get them to self-talk and realize the times when they do that, those are players that find success in that. I've, I've got a lot of players who um, come in and they might miss a few shots and say, Coach, I'm not on today, or I'm just having a bad day. It's like, no, you just missed two shots. You're going to make the next one, so let's keep shooting. And so that's, that's another part of self-talk, diagnosing what's up, but then also do I have confidence in myself? Am I saying good things to myself while I'm doing this? So self-talkers are a huge thing. So another thing talk-
0: is- Go ahead. Sorry.
1: I was going to say another thing is, is players that are self-disciplined as well, so those players that are taking extra shots. Um, those are two of the four things I was going to say. And then a mix of games and training. So players who not just come in for a whole six months or, th- or three months summer, however long it is, and just train, those players got to go and use that too. So whether it's through an AAU program or whether it's just playing pickup with friends, getting those in a game situation is really important because you can simulate game, game By yourself all the time, but until you get a defender in your face, it's not going to be game like. And so, one thing I used to love, my varsity coach, when we had open gyms over the summer, he would always ask us, What's the one thing you're working on in in open gym today? What's something you want to see improvement on? And so, I tell my players the same thing Hey, you're working on your shot with me. You're working specifically on your shot form. Let's go. When you go in your open gym, make sure you're focusing on how good are my shots that I'm taking? how How are the quality of those shots? And then the last thing is, players that play other sports see success. So players that can take a legitimate break from basketball, but still get their shots up, maybe while they're playing lacrosse or playing baseball, those players see success because they're building up other muscles. They're building up communication with other players. And I don't know, there's just something to playing other sports where we see those athletes success. I
0: think it's easier for skill transfer when you're doing a variety of things while not sacrificing the fact that you're working on your game. Like they're still getting their shots up. I tell that with, with any player, absolutely play you like to play sports, play multiple sports. But don't pick up the basketball in November to February, or March and expect to be really good. That's not how it, it works. Absolutely. You need consistent repetition throughout the course of the year. So uh, I, I agree 100% with what you're saying. Multiple, multi-sport athletes seem to be able to pick up quicker on certain coordination techniques, be able, be able to adapt to new things. Uh, at the same time, if you want to be good at shooting, you got to do it 12 months out of the year. Uh, that's That's what you need. And especially with shooting the basketball, you can work on your form, you can work on spot. You can get some game repetitions in. You can randomize some instruction while you're in another sports season, right? It's it's not like you're risking uh, an injury by doing something like that within your other sports season. And In fact, you want to be really good or you want to play college basketball, it's really a requirement, you know, in in a sense. Um, Because if you want to be good, you got to do things that are different than everybody else. And that's one of those things that you can do to separate yourself from the competition. Coach, you also coach junior high basketball, eighth grade basketball. What are some of the biggest areas of improvement that you see are needed for young players?
1: So we look, when we get our players in, we specifically focus on four things because we consistently see at the middle school level, especially eighth grade, these are the four things that going into high school really need to be adjusted and improved upon. And so those are decision-making. Wait, wait,
0: wait. You're not trying to make sure they just win now, regardless of what happens when they're in high school? Absolutely crazy?
1: (laughs) (laughs) What a concept. Keep
0: keep going. What a concept. (laughs) What a concept. You're not trying to go undefeated in eighth grade at the, you know, the sacrifice of what they might do later on? Go ahead, Coach. I love it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's a whole other topic we could go hours on. Yeah, so we, yeah, our program specifically, we are preparing for high school and we recognize that with parents right away at the beginning. And these are the four things that we definitely put in our learning outcomes. So, decision making is number one. And so that comes not just from the point guard. Every five player, all five players on the floor need to learn how to make decisions, whether that's setting a screen, making a pass, making a cut. Second, defensive rotations. Majority of players that we get in the seventh grade level have no idea how to play defense, have no idea how to do a defensive rotation. And so it shouldn't be this way, but typically we're teaching defensive rotations for the first time to a lot of our players. Third shooting form. Again, this is another area. Kids form bad habits in sixth grade, especially kids that are trying to shoot threes at that level. And so when they come to us, they've got bad shooting form. And so a large majority of players we work with, we have to work on shooting form and we get a lot of shots up at the very least players are at least shooting 30 free throws a day in practice with us. And during those times, that's when we're talking to, to our players about shooting for them and talking about what they need to be working on before and after practice. And then last is finishing. I, I don't remember who said this, but as far as recruiters, when they're looking at high school players going into college, the one thing that sets good players apart from great players in high school are ones that ought to finish at the rim. And so we do a ton of work with players on finishing they do mic-and-drills when they come in the gym immediately first thing. And then we also do time trials with finishing. We do one-on-one games with finishing and we always do contact layups. This is one thing we've, we've just put in the program in the last year is we do a lot of contact layups in our, in our practices because that's something that happens quite a lot in games. So those are the kind of the four, four things that we really hope to see improvement in with players.
0: Well, I love a coach and I think you're, you're going back into you know, what do they need moving forward? These four areas could be very sloppy, very tedious and and ugly at times, but you're doing it in a way that you're setting those athletes up for success as they continue to go through the ranks and become a high school player. You know, you're doing things the, the right way. I love it. That's awesome to see. Can you speak a little bit more on the relationships and the communication that you try to instill among the players that you work with?
1: Yeah, 100%. Uh, this is one of my favorite things about coaching. I, I say it in our parent meetings at the beginning of the year. Um, the one thing I've learned in the last few years is that without expectations and without vision being cast, it's really hard for people to be on the same page. And so we try to always cast the vision with our players and we try to build that relationship with our players so that they trust us. And so, one thing that's probably different about our coaching staff is that we look holistically at players. And so, above when it comes to general improvement. Um, A couple other things we like to focus on are building responsibility with players, um, social interest, and so what social interest is is just caring about other people, and then risk support. So that goes into decision-making as well. Um, When we can support players who are making risks in practice, uh, we can talk through those risks, and instead of just yelling at them and telling them what they've done wrong, uh, we can build their self-esteem that way and build their decision-making. And so... As as a coaching staff, that's something we really really like to focus on.
0: No, that's great. That's that's something that you try to, you know, instill among not just your players but with the parents in your parents meeting, which is great. The relationships, the communication, putting down a vision for what they have for themselves is is fantastic. Man, I feel so fortunate that you're a part of Cramer <laughs> Basketball. Um, I think anybody that listens to this podcast is going to be like, "Wow, that's a guy that I'd like my kids to work with, or if they're a coach, boy, I'd love my players to to work with him. And you know, that's what a big part of of what you do. Like, I know you have a a full time job, but I hope that people uh, that listen to this can say, "Oh, just because he's a basketball trainer doesn't mean." you have people dribbling a ball and trying to do a hula hoop at the same time, right? You're looking at game situation, you're doing a video analysis, you're putting a plan together, you're tracking, you're charting things, you're putting things down in a way that the communication is there, the athletes are able to create a vision for themselves moving forward, not just you speaking These are all things that, whether you're a basketball trainer, Player development coach on a business like myself or a high school college basketball coach, you want to still have those same things in place. So I want to commend you for that. I know that above all the specifics that we talked about today, you're making a positive impact in the lives of, of youth. You're making a lasting impact. You're building positive relationships with them. So after you finish coaching them, they're better young men than they were before. Uh, you're keeping that line of communication open. It's not like, okay, we finished our season. That's it. See you later. I want to commend you for that. Um, God bless, Coach, and, and we'll definitely have to have you back on another
1: podcast. Thanks again. Absolutely. I love it.
0: If you want to get your hands on the Kramer Basketball Shooting Program, go to member kramerbasketball.com. Our intermediate and advanced programs both come with the shooter's blueprint. This is the way that you can separate yourself from the competition. Let's get after it.